Welcome to the Kids Corner, where we explore sensory processing, development, and play with purpose as it pertains to eating, sleeping, playing, and growing. On this podcast, we will educate you on the lesser-known topics, give practical tips and tricks to help elevate your practice, and provide resources for families and caregivers. We are your hosts... I'm Bean, the co-founder of ReU and a recovering paraplegic. And I'm Nancy, a kinesiologist specializing in pediatrics, facilitating learning and development through movement and play therapies. Welcome back to another episode of Rambling with ReU. Today we're going to be talking to one of our neuroexercise specialists, Tegan. We've had her on the podcast a couple of times before. So welcome back, Tegan. It's great to have you back here. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you too. We're going to be talking about full potential and what does that phrase really mean? So Nancy, why don't we start off with you? Yeah, so let's even just talk about what is potential. So potential, there's a couple different definitions. I'm going to kind of tailor it more towards my favorite definition, but this is, I think, the most common definition that we hear about or know about. So having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. So a lot of people focus on the showing. So showing the capacity, you have to demonstrate something before people are going to believe that you are able to do something. Whereas my favorite definition is referring to a currently unrealized ability. We're going to know that you have the potential within you before you even demonstrate anything. So that's what I love to refer to about potential is that currently unrealized ability. I love that definition, Nancy. I think that's really good. The definition I had written down was the capacity to be able to do something in the future. So maybe you can't do it right now, but you'll be able to do it in the future. Then an example I had thought of was maybe a child can't walk right now, but they would have the potential to be able to do that in the future through therapy or through learning different skills and building up certain skills. So yeah, similar to what you said, Nancy, they don't show it right now, but that doesn't mean they won't be able to do it in the future. Yeah, that's awesome. I love both of those explanations of what potential is. So what is the difference between potential and full potential? Or is there a difference between them? I think that full potential is the maximum capacity or ability to be able to do something, or it's like the highest level of skill or achievement that someone can reach. So I see full potential as pushing the limits and always striving to achieve something new. And in my opinion, there is a difference between potential and full potential. So going back to that same example that I used earlier, where someone maybe can't walk right now, but they can in the future, who's to say that just because they have the potential to walk doesn't mean they don't have the potential to also run so it's kind of like pushing it one step forward or like further than just potential would so it's kind of like a mindset that the sky's the limit and why not strive for the highest level of achievement yeah I love that I mean just like Tegan said is we're pushing the limits so what society deems as full potential might be your child sitting in a wheelchair the rest of your life well whereas we see that keep going keep pushing the limits and achieve more and more and more and more and essentially you're always reaching another next level right you're never going to settle even if you think about we'll tie it back to the able-bodied population your child's learning to skate for the first time are you going to settle for them just teetering around on the ice and falling over and landing on their butt or are they going to actually turn into a hockey player or a figure skater are they going to keep going with those skills so full potential is really what 
that individual person comes to realize that they want to do. So they actually become the owner of their journey to realize their own full potential. We're not the ones that are necessarily going to dictate their potential, which we so often do as a society as we put limits on people and put them in boxes. But here we're really going to break down and say, well, no, the person is going to be the owner of their own story of potential. Right. So I think that's something that's really important to kind of hone in on is that potential. Yes, we start it as parents, as brothers, as sisters, as coworkers, as peers. We definitely have an influence on that potential, so to speak. But it's not necessarily or shouldn't necessarily be the thing that keeps that person's potential going. Right. It's the potential is beyond us it's inside that person and that's something to really remember is that we're here especially as specialists to pull that potential out wherever you want to go wherever you want to you know strive towards and to be we pull that out of you we're not necessarily putting anything into you so you've had it all along we're just helping you get there i think that's something important to remember and realize is the potential the full potential is there we're just helping pull it all out Yeah, I love what you said there, Nancy, about owning your own potential, like you are the owner of your potential. If you believe in yourself and you can see where you can get to, then there's a good chance that you'll get there. There is a lot of limiting beliefs put on people and families and children with disabilities. Do you want to maybe speak to that, Nancy, about like how how does the limiting beliefs that are put on people, how do we work through that to help them see their potential? Yeah, I mean, I think... There's so many stigmas and stereotypes surrounding disability in this current day and age. And even professionals going through school, they're taught to categorize people and put people into boxes to get funding, to get different things so they can have standardized tests that say, this is where you are, this is where you're going to go. And it's almost like mathematical formulas, but we know people are so much more than numbers and assessments and all these things. They're a human being, their their emotions, their cognition, their physicals. There's so many different components. That's what makes the human race so complex, which is amazing. And the neuroplasticity is something that I think is often underrated and overlooked. And I mean, we deal with neuro all day long, every day, and we see the amazing things that happen with neuroplasticity. And I think the biggest thing for a lot of people to remember is that there is so much that we don't know, right? So we're currently challenging the future and we're developing. So if you think about, I don't know, the space race, right? We didn't know much about space in the beginning, but now we know a lot more and people are intrigued by it and fascinated by it and are exploring it. Whereas I feel like with neuroplasticity, people are almost still scared of it or don't want to go further into it. Yes, there's a subset of the population, the researchers and scientists who are diving deeper into it, learning more. But I think the average population probably is a little bit afraid of it, right? Is We don't know what we don't know but we don't necessarily want to explore it. Whereas with Ryu, we're exploring and challenging the really extent of the brain, and we're seeing all these cool things happen, these miracles, but really it's neuroplasticity and in action. And I think that's the cool thing to really understand is that we don't know if it's going to work, but it's working, right? We're challenging the current norm of what children should be able to do. And we're seeing results. We're seeing the difference that believing in a child's full potential can make just by 
believing in that child that we're working with at that specific point in time. And it's really cool to see that relationship form. And I don't know, Tegan, if you've seen this, but I've seen children go from not interacting with the world to interacting with their world, to smiling at their parents, to showing recognizable cognition of understanding from, especially in the beginning when they're just screaming at you, yelling at you, and then you see that flicker of them settle down, them react to your voice, to listen to what you're saying. And that to me is a huge indicator of just what they would classify as potential or understanding in the medical system. And just to go from there and really see them start to flourish, which is really, really cool. Yeah, I totally love everything you said, Nancy, and agree with all of it. Just to kind of go off of what you said, neuroplasticity-wise, we don't know if it's working, but we're seeing a change. I also feel like we don't know if it's going to work, but why not try? And that's what I like about potential. It leaves so much room to keep pushing. I think it's really important that, yeah, we don't put these limiting beliefs on them and we don't let certain diagnoses or conditions limit what we think the child will be able to do because we don't know what they're going to be able to do. Yeah, I love what both of you guys said there. And yeah, Nancy, I think you're right. I think when you said that people are scared of neuro, I think it's that comfort blanket, right, of what we have been saying for decades is this. And so now that's being challenged. And that is very scary for a lot of people to really wrap their head around. But sooner or later. Okay, Tegan, who do you think should dictate potential for a child? I like this question and I think it's a good question and almost a bit tricky. So I like what Nancy said earlier that you are the own dictator of your own journey and your own potential. But I think for children, it's like a little bit harder for them. So I think it's the specialist and the parents have the biggest impact on dictating potential for the child. But as we've been saying, I think it's really important for the specialist and the parents to have an anything as possible mindset or else their beliefs can be very limiting to the child. And I also think it's important that parents and specialists um, are on the same page about the child's potential or else this can kind of cause issues and will not help the child to reach their full potential. But yeah, overall, I do think that at the end of the day, like you are the dictator of your potential, but for children, it's a little bit harder. So I think that's where specialists and parents kind of have the biggest impact. Yeah, I I agree with Tegan. I think there's some simple things we can do to give the child autonomy over their therapy session and over their journey. Because Tegan said, right, the parents are their primary caregivers and we're here to help them. We're facilitating a lot of movements. We're very hands-on, very directing of what they're actually doing. But something as simple as giving them choices. Do you want to do this or do you want to do that? So it's always that direct interaction with that child, giving them that autonomy. So that element of control, which is what autonomy means, right, in their sessions is just the little things you can do to get them to be more more involved in their session. So with adults, we get that buy-in, right? You give them a choice of, do you want to do this or do that? And they clearly tell you which one. Kids is a little bit more challenging because they might not be necessarily be able to communicate. They might be nonverbal or they might have trouble choosing between A or B or different things like that. So I think just the small little things you can do to give them that power over their session, or let's say they're crying and you say, let's do one more. And then we get to do this thing that you really, really like. And then they turn around and they're like, oh, and they think about it for a second. They're like, okay, let's do one more. And then they go do it. So that's the little things we can do to give them that control. And I mean, different ages need different levels of that choice and control, just like any developing child, right? So it's age appropriate and it's skill-based and it's 
to their level at that point in time. And I think those are just important things to note alongside that. Yes, we are dictating to an extent, but we want them to be the center at every point in time and them to have as much control as they can handle at that developmental age, not necessarily the chronological age. That's important to remember. Chronological just means you're actual age. So if you're four years old, so you were born and now you're four years old. So it's just that timeline. Developmental just means where you're at. Typically, it's on the cognitive scale, although you can have different emotional ages and that kind of thing as well. As we know, there's some adults who throw tantrums and things and you might say, oh, well, you're acting like a big two-year-old. So that's a whole different side of things. But typically, it's the cognitive age. So you could be four years old, but developmentally, three months, six months, a year and a half. So that's just a difference in where you're at. Awesome. Thanks for that. So then would you guys say that your role as specialists, now you've touched on it a little bit, is to encourage potential, is to help people see their potential, is to help them get to their potential, all of the above? I was just going to say, I would say all of the above. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All of the above. Okay, awesome. And then so let's talk about traditional therapy, because that's a lot of what is available here in Canada. And so how can traditional therapy limit potential? I think it just goes back to the training of the professionals you're working with outside in the traditional setting. So when we say traditional, we're talking about typically the programs that are within the community or within the publicly funded rehab hospital. Different countries are going to have different experiences with this, but within Canada, because we do have a public health care system, there is standardized programs that are preset within the community that don't necessarily cater to the individual, which I think is the first thing that limits potential is that it's a broad scope program that's just kind of given to every kid with a specific diagnosis. Or you're in this box of let's say you've been diagnosed with cerebral palsy, this is your diagnosis, this is the route you go. So I think already in just being put in that box of diagnosis, you're already kind of limited in a box. Another way in which you might be limited as well is just within Canada, sometimes the professionals, there's red tape and different things that limit their ability to keep up with the progressive nature of the neuro field. So I think that as well can limit it. I know in a private setting, we tend to be much more invested in and interested in the developments and we can implement it a lot faster. In a private setting, we can get basically research through to clinical practice a lot quicker because there's less red tape, there's less layers of management to go through for approvals and that kind of thing. So I think that's another way in which uh, potential may be limited because you're limiting the newest research to the research setting, whereas we can apply the research setting a, a lot faster and a lot quicker, which is really exciting for us and for the kids we work with. The implementation of these new programs and things is just, uh, I think, a little bit faster. So I think those are a few ways in which the traditional therapy limits things just from a healthcare system standpoint and for the current public system. Yeah, I think you said that very well. Tegan, let's move over to you. Do you have anything else to add to what Nancy just said? I totally agree uh, with everything Nancy just said. I just wanted to add kind of piggybacking off how it's less individualized is that I feel like as soon as a child receives a diagnosis, they're instantly put in a box and people like associate their diagnosis with what they're going to be able to achieve. So it's almost like because other people with this diagnosis can't walk independently or can't sit independently, neither will your child. So they only focus on 
like working on skills that they will be able to do and that they're going to be successful at and they won't really push for anything more. So yeah, I think traditional therapy kind of works within the norms. And I say that with air quotations of what people with a certain diagnosis can do. And it doesn't really attempt anything more or push any harder. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Okay, so then this is open to either of you guys. Can attitude limit potential? A hundred percent. A hundred percent again. And I think it's almost the cornerstone of potential in itself. We know as adults, our attitude affects our abilities a hundred percent. And it affects not only your physical abilities, but your cognitive as well, right? This surrounds a lot of the stuff for adults, you know, mental health and that sort of thing. And kids... They're really smart and they take in a lot and they understand a lot more than we give them credit for. And I think that's something to really keep in mind is that if you have an attitude of they're not going to be successful or they're not going to do something, then they're going to start believing it, right? It goes back to letting them be the owner of their journey. Let them decide what's possible. Let them decide where they're going to go and you just be that supportive person in whatever role that is but to let them continue beyond and you just have the attitude that I'm gonna support you and help you along the way no matter where you're gonna go and cool things are gonna happen yes cool things are always gonna happen Tegan what are your thoughts on attitude and potential Nancy took the words right out of my mouth. I think that the way you talk to the child is so important because kids are very smart they pick up on everything that they hear so even though it may not seem like they know what's going on they do so if they're constantly hearing like oh you won't be able to achieve this or you're not going to be able to do that then they're going to start to believe it and I also think that impacts their drive and motivation because even as like an able-bodied person and as an adult if someone's always telling you oh you're not going to be able to do that or let's not even try it like you're we can't we we won't get there then you're going to believe it and you're like not even going to be motivated to try to do anything or push for anything else so I think that it's very important to have a positive attitude and like a anything is possible attitude. And that I think that's when you'll see like a lot more changes. Yeah. And I think like one of my favorite stories of, of working with kids with attitude is that I truly believe kids can understand me. And it comes through in my sessions and that I ask them questions. I sit down and we call them Nancy life lessons. <laughs> so it might be something that a child wouldn't necessarily understand, but they get the gist of what I'm trying to say, right? So let's say a child is throwing themselves around willingly, just tantruming that kind of thing. And I'll tell them, let them fall to an extent, obviously not within getting hurt, but, and then sit down and be like, well, if you do this, this is going to happen, that kind of cause and effect. And then you watch over the next couple sessions and then they stop throwing themselves. Or when a child is doing something they shouldn't, or even doing something really good, that's another thing too, is they do something really good and then you give them praise for it and you get really excited about it and they really understand that you see those proud smiles come on these kids faces like yes I just did that and you reinforce that yes you should be proud of that and just to see their response and their reaction I think that's something that's really important to understand I mean we are very expressive with our vocals and our words and you'll probably hear me in the gym being really loud and shouting getting really excited for kids and telling them very sternly to you know either stand up and don't sit on my thumbs and like that kind of thing but the responses and the direction they take and their reaction response to what I'm saying is something that is 
very powerful in that they are listening to everything you're saying, whether you want to believe it or not. And they are going to feed into whatever attitudes or beliefs you're bringing into that session. So I think that's just something that's really cool. I don't know if Tegan, if you have any other experiences with kids that you can share. Yeah, I totally agree. Don't throw yourself. I think those are all very good examples and things that I have experienced. And you can see that they understand and it clicks. I've seen it too, where you guys are talking to the kids that way. And I see, I've see i seen how they respond as well. And I think that a big part of that, which you've said before, is just as a specialist, you have to believe in them, right? And that's like the whole a big part of what Ryu is, is believing in people and having that positive attitude and always encouraging potential is what makes them feel good about themselves. And as somebody who, you know, well, is making videos and stuff, makes me feel really good to see that that's happening. And then to watch the parents' reaction as well when that happens, it's really awesome. And I just, yeah, watching you guys with the kids is quite something else, (laughs) quite extraordinary. So are there any diagnoses that have an impact on full potential? Nancy? Yeah, so there is a limit to what we can do. We are not a cure for these conditions. We work with a lot of rare conditions. So I would say the diagnoses, some of them will play a role based on genetic components or different things. If you have a deletion of something, which means it's not there anymore, we can't give it to you, right? But at the same time, we don't want to let the diagnoses, I guess, impact us in the point of being afraid to try, right? I think we use them a lot of the time to inform our choices in therapies and choices in modalities of what we're going to use. We obviously want to know the contraindications. Is there something, let's say, like a weak heart or small lungs or different things that could really impact the safety of what we're doing with the child? But if there's no contraindications, that's what contraindication means. Is there something that's going to put your child at risk for injury or an adverse event, so something to impact their health in a negative way, then that's really what we want to know. If there's no negative impacts to the health side of things, then we're free to go and try. There are some diagnoses, obviously, that are degenerative. So that means that progress and that naturally they will decline over time. So those are ones that, yes, it's going to impact your potential. But does that mean we're not going to be able to work with you and not going to be able to try? No, it just means we're going to have that frank conversation of this diagnosis, this is kind of what it means. But if we can improve your quality of life in these different areas, let's try. And unfortunately, knowing the outcome down the road, whatever that may be based on whatever condition that is, because there's so many, so I know it's hard to generalize, but there's a lot of different conditions out there. And the more you get into the rare field, I think the more you get exposed to many, many, many diagnoses and some that are one in a million, one in 200. There's so many different diagnoses. But I think the big thing to know is we use the diagnosis to understand the contraindications because we want to look out for the safety of your child. That's kind of the biggest thing of how we use it. Yeah, that sounds good. Tegan, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I agree with Nancy. We use the diagnosis as kind of like a guideline, but we don't let that stop us from trying new things. Obviously, within reason, that's not going to harm the child or cause any adverse reactions. I also think it's important to note that everybody is different and every diagnosis is different. So just because one person achieves a certain skill doesn't mean another person can't do more or achieve more. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point. That's uh, important to know as well. Okay, then Tegan, do expectations impact potential? Yes, I believe they definitely impact potential. If you expect a child is only going to reach a certain skill or level, that's probably all they're going to do because you're not going to push for anything more. You're not going to try to challenge them any harder. So I think that your expectations can really kind of put children within a box and kind of set them up for what they can achieve and what they will achieve. Yeah, and I think this is something we try and teach all of our kids specialists early on is that are you limiting potential by your handling skills, which can be one thing. So the more you get better at handling, the more you can push the child and you can raise your expectations, raising the bar. Like I placed the bar very high for the child, but they will come and they will rise to that occasion. And you'd be surprised how often you don't think a child can do something, but then you just try and they go and blow you out of the water. So a couple of our little kiddos, every week we push a little bit harder. We challenge with new exercises and to see them find new muscles and reach that next level and just crush a skill that the week before they would have struggled with, the next week you pushed harder and that's happening. So even within a lot of the therapies, we're doing the highest level skill possible with the theory and thought behind it that neuroplasticity is going to increase when we're doing the higher level skills. Because if you're just going from, oh, well, they can't sit up, so we're just going to work on sitting. Well, what's past sitting? What should they be doing at whatever age? We're going to go to that skill and you'd be surprised that they don't need to work on sitting to sit necessarily. Yes, there's a time and place to work on sitting. I'm not saying you don't ever have to sit to learn to sit, but there's higher level skills that we can work on to get there. So setting the bar high, setting the expectations high, just like we do for all of our staff, all of our trainers, is something throughout Ryu that for all of our clients, we set the bar high and everybody's stepping up and getting to it because we believe they can get there and then they start believing it. And collectively, we're all pushing that standard and those expectations through the roof. Yep. And I think this is the growth of Ryu is a testament to that that works. Setting the bar high really works. We have lots of people that keep wanting to come back. And so that's excellent. <laughs> that's key. That would mean that means we know what we're doing is working. Okay, so then let me ask you guys, how do you pull more out of a child within a session to strive for full potential? I guess, Nancy, you did kind of just talk about this a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the things that we do just innately is we cheer them on, we create a fun environment, we do set that bar high, we do have, especially working with me, I do have expectations that you can do this and I'm giving you a task that's not too hard for you. And that's the other thing as well is like, I've set a task before you that I know you can complete, I know you can do it, and we're going to get there together and we're here to help you and just showing them that you're supporting them in that during that session as well right we're here for the hugs we're here for the cuddles we're here for the pep talks but yeah just the different things we can do good entertainers always pulling the most out of a child as well good distractions awesome yeah tegan do you have anything to add to that yeah i totally agree with everything nancy said i'd also say creative and fun session plans so creative in a sense that 
you're not just repeating the same things over and over again. You're finding different ways to kind of target the same skill. So yeah, just having fun session plans, session plans that are creative, good distractions, like Nancy said, so that you are able to push them harder. And even I find educating the parents on potential and telling them not to let certain like diagnoses or opinions dictate what their child will be able to do you can like you can do that within the session and then that can help carry over into the home environment and maybe even change how the parent interacts with their child yeah i think that's really key because nancy says for that one or two or three hours that we have you for the week that's great but it's the rest of those hours that really make a difference with everybody's recovery it's doing those functional things at home and having that same kind of environment and well with what we're talking about today having your family really see the potential in you too so that you again rise to that occasion love it so then do you ladies have any advice for therapists that are currently working with kids and helping them to recognize potential? I guess I'll start. Don't put kids in a box, raise the bar high and believe that they can do more than what you're seeing. Those are my three key pieces of advice for anybody working with kids. And as always, have fun. Yes, completely agreed. And anything is possible mindset is always important. Trying harder skills, not just focusing on what they can do and what they're good at, but also challenging with them different skills. Like Nancy said earlier, challenge them with your handling. Can you drop your support even lower so that they're having to do more work by themselves? Stuff like that. Wow, that's awesome. You guys gave us a lot of great information today. So thank you both for your knowledge and for sharing it with us and our listeners. I know potential isn't something that people really talk about a lot in the neuro recovery world, but it's so huge and such a big topic that more people need to be talking about it. So thank you guys. Do either of you have anything else that you want to add that we haven't already touched on? I don't think so. I think just wrapping up, just reinforcing that potential is beyond what you see right? I think it's in the realm of the unknown. And I think that's what makes it a little bit hard for people to wrap their minds around. But just know that there is lots of potential for your child and for whoever you're working with. And you can really do a lot when you understand that potential is limitless. Yeah, I love that. We're going to put that on a shirt. Potential is limitless. (laughs) Tegan, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, no, I love that as well. Potential is limitless. Anything is possible mindset. I feel like those are all really good. I feel like we covered it all. Like you guys said, I feel like it's a very important topic. And I also feel like it's one that is almost like you wouldn't think to talk about it because it's almost like self-explanatory. What is potential? I feel like everyone feels like they have a sense of what potential is, but I feel like no one really sits down to talk about it and discuss full potential and stuff. So yeah, I feel like this is a great topic and something important to talk about. I agree. Well, thank you both again for your knowledge and for sharing it. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, we would greatly appreciate if you could subscribe, leave us a five-star review and a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts as this helps us increase our reach. And stay tuned for another episode coming at you in two weeks.